0: The athletic. What are the worst three letters in football? Trust me, it's not VAR.
1: Got some breaking news now. Massive blow for defending WSL champions and current league leaders Chelsea. Sam Kerr has sustained an ACL anterior cruciate ligament injury.
0: Regardless of your allegiances, no doubt at least part of you was gutted when you heard the news of Sam Kerr's injury. She joins the list of top women's footballers such as Alexia Putejas, Viviana Miedemar, and Beth Mead to have succumbed to this devastating injury. So, what does this mean for Sam Kerr? What does it mean for Chelsea? And why do we not seem to be any further down the line in avoiding these situations? I'm Abby Patterson, and welcome back to Full Time Europe. So joining me to process what all this means is the Athletics Women's Football editor Chloe Morgan. Hello, Chloe. Hiya. And our writer, Jesse Parker Humphries. Jesse, how are you? Are you okay? Do we need to just sort of have this therapy session to get through the Sam Kerr injury? How is it? It's been a week.
2: Yeah, I thought I was doing well processing it, and then I had to watch Chelsea play without Sam Kerr, and now I'm like I feel like I've regressed a little bit there.
0: Well, we'll get to that very shortly. We're going to be talking transfers later. It is January after all. But as mentioned, 2024, it took little over a week for our first big women's football news to come through. And Chloe, I just want to get your reaction. We've had Jesse's when that club statement popped through saying Sam Kerr has done her ACL. What were the feels?
1: I mean, it's probably the worst possible start for 2024 for women's football fans ever. I think everyone was sort of full of expectation. I I would say so. I mean, I don't want to be dramatic about it, but um, I think I could see better ways that this year was going to start. I think after being knocked out of the Olympics and things, I mean, Chelsea obviously having the the previous ACL announcement with Nguyen a month earlier, I just thought, do you know what, the only way is up from here. And then, yeah, the women's football gods spoke and decided it was not going to start that way. We have not had enough big name players
0: with ACL injuries yet is what the gods have decided. Yes, to add a little context, Chelsea were on a training camp in Morocco where the injury was sustained and it's, yeah, one of those ones that has really gone through the whole of, of women's football. For full transparency, I am actually currently in Australia, so this was a huge story last week. It continues, obviously, to be, it was the front page of all the news websites, regardless of the being the sports pages or not, and obviously in an Olympic year, uh, you've already mentioned. Team GB are out. Australia not yet there into the Olympics, they still have to beat Uzbekistan next month to put their spot in Paris. So, you know, a little less full-time Europe this week, a little bit more full-time world. But yes, I don't want to kind of go too far down the ACL route because we did loads of pods on that last year, loads of articles on the subject after Arsenal's particular spate of uh, knee injuries. And I'll stick links to all of those in the show notes so you can catch up or refresh your memory. But very quickly, Jesse, on the ACLs, does it surprise you that we're still seeing this many of this high level of, of, of acl injuries
2: i don't think so unfortunately because obviously the topic around and the science around acls is you know famously still under research but i think lots of the things that we do know and that can be sort of done around prevention are things that take place over an athlete's entire life and i think the problem we've got at the moment is obviously the crop of professional footballers we have we can't go back And when they're a teenager, for example, focus potentially on strengthening them more, you know, then you get into positions where, for example, Sam Kerr's already had an ACL and another serious knee injury. So those parts of her body are are already weakened. And I think, consequently, as a result, we probably won't really see a big change in potentially the number of ACLs until we're looking a little bit further down the line, because these are learnings that clubs have to take through and implement. And that isn't something that you can just do overnight and even if you could that's not necessarily going to be able to have the impact on this sort of current crop of professionals that we have sadly
0: yeah chloe we see a lot of you know, the reaction to this being like oh but we need more research we need more research i mean is that actually helpful is that factual that we we need more research is quite to me it's just a sort of quite a, a broad oh just you know we need more research just throw it out there you know that's the solution to everything i mean what what, what do you think to that reaction
1: well, I think um, you know research is always information, and the more information, the better equipped clubs are supposed to be able to manage workloads, or you know, look at other factors such as the menstruation cycle, or the pitch conditions, or you know, just general fatigue, I suppose, in the players with you know, the scheduling and things like that. So, I think it's it's key, definitely, but I don't think it's the ACL research is the golden bullet, I suppose, in terms of you know all the other aspects of women's health that go into the sort of players day to day. But I think how I feel really is that I'm not surprised every time there isn't a big announcement about an ACL. I mean you only have to sort of look at this half of the the season you've had four Manchester Uniteds. you know two low knees going down with ACL injuries we're sort of seeing these high profile injuries now you know Gabby George has had the ACL Caroline Weir now Sam Kerr you know all these kind of big names being out of the game just make it less competitive it's not just the fact that obviously you know the emotional impact that it has on on these players but also you know for the fans and and the product itself
0: Can I ask Chloe when you were playing was there a time where one of your teammates suffered one of these injuries And, and if so what was the impact within the dressing room.
1: Yeah, I think when I was at Spurs, obviously going into the WSL from the championship, I mean, around that time, there was so little research being done about ACLs. Yeah, you know, The budgets were going on things like just the player salaries and trying to get a decent pitch and the referees to turn up at the right time. I mean, even though it's only four years ago, it sort of goes to show, you know, how much progress has been made in that time. But yeah, it was Jess Naz, who was only a youngster. She was a teenager at the time. And I remember, you know, she was sort of one of those up and coming players to watch and to look out for. And she was on this big trajectory. And then she suffers this ACL. And I remember because I also had sort of a a, you know, a knee injury at the same time, so we were doing quite a lot of our rehab together for for a couple of months. And you sort of see the emotional toll that it takes, especially someone so young. You know, being isolated from the team, having to go to those rehab sessions, having to sit on the bench and watch, you know, players that were the same age of her progress in their careers. But you know, what I have, I love to see is obviously Jess Naz is now back in the Spurs squad. You know, she's making an impact. She's starting to get her name, you know, really recognised for, for being an incredible player at Spurs. So that's a kind of roundabout, lovely sort of end up story. But when you actually Going through it and, and the time it takes for you to get back into you know full fitness is, oh, it's a horrible process.
0: Yeah, and if you've not seen it yet, really recommend the documentary that Arsenal did with Beth Mead and Viv Miedema on this subject. Go on their Arsenal website and you can actually see that that whole process play out over a few episodes. Having said, I don't want to talk about ACLs. I've now spent five minutes talking about it. So let's talk about actual football because, Jesse, that's really what we're we're here for. And uh, the big question coming into all of this was where do Chelsea go from here? How do they cope without Sam Kerr? And we obviously got our first insight into this with the FA Cup win they had over West. West Ham. It was three one after extra time, with some super sub magic from Emma Hayes. Me official got the equaliser after Viviana Essie opened the scoring for West Ham before Erin Cuthbert. And uh, and who are you saying for that third goal? Is it uh, Aggie Beaver Joneses or Niskin? Where's, where's where are we going, Jesse?
2: I'm giving it to Aggie Beaver Jones. I'm convinced that crossed the line. I was actually so convinced because I was sat almost like right in the angle that she shot. I didn't even realise Nuskin had take like had had a touch because I'd already looked away, assuming it was in. And then I saw people saying it was Nuskin. I was like, what's going on? I have to go back and watch it again. But no, that's Aggie's hundred yeah, percent.
0: Yeah. When I woke up, I went just you know you look at the Vidi printer and it says it said Aggie Beaver Jones. And I looked, watched the highlights and it was like ah, Nuskun scored and I'm like I'm very confused. I don't know what's going on. Chloe, final vote. I'm well, no, not final vote. I'm going Aggie Beaver Jones. So three uh, AB. Jays.
1: Well, it's going to have to be now. You pretty much put the words in my mouth. But, but yes, I will. I rely on Jesse's expertise being the one closest to the goal at the time. So, um, so yeah.
0: Yes. Out of the three of us, uh, me being 5,000 miles away, probably less than that. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, Jesse, you did write last week all about how Chelsea might cope without Kerr. And for you, your main thesis, your main point was saying that they needed to empower the players that they already had. Spoiler. What we saw against West Ham was that player in particular was Lauren James. How did she cope in your mind?
2: Yeah, that was a a surprise. James definitely wasn't the player who I thought Chelsea should be empowering in the sense of playing her as a nine. I think she has a big role to play in terms of like goal scoring and creativity without Kerr, but there was a very strange decision. I think anyone who's watched Lauren James will know that part of what makes her so amazing is her ability to sort of get on the ball and drive forward with it, You know, her strength, her technical ability. And it's quite hard to do that if you're playing sort of, as a striker. And we kind of saw this as the game went on. James was sort of dropping deeper. She wanted to get on the ball, you know, understandably, given where her skill set lies. But As a result, Chelsea were putting a lot of balls into the box and there was simply no one there to to try and attempt to finish them, which made it very easy for West Ham playing this flat back five, simply defend, especially once they had a lead to defend. Obviously, things did change as the game went on. Mia Fischl came on, who I think is the player most people would have expected to start this game, and she got a very good goal. But it was interesting, Emma Hayes in the the post-match was sort of saying, you know, Mia Fishel, she's still very raw, she needs more minutes. Which I totally get, but Emma Hayes is in charge of whether me official gets minutes. So I wasn't entirely, the logic there wasn't really working for me. But yeah, a bit of a strange choice, I think, as, as a first as a first attempt at replacing Kerr.
0: Would you think the fact that it was the FA Cup, and I know you, again, you wrote about the FA Cup deserves greater respect. Do you think possibly the FA Cup, Emma Hayes was looking at this as a kind of, well, we'll see if this one works it's not the league. It's not the end of the world kind of thing. We've got the extra time, and you know it all worked out well in the end. Uh, did you think that was part of the the thinking?
2: I mean, potentially, I can kind of see the the theory behind having a player to play less like Sam Kerr because, as Haza said, you can't really replace her, and potentially have someone who's going to offer you more link-up play with all the players you have on the pitch. And I think that was the concept with James. The thing that was a bit strange is it kind of surprised me that James was the person who was picked to do that. For example, Fran Kirby played in the 10 and I kind of thought if Chelsea just switched them, they could have had the theory that it felt like Hayes was going for, but with sort of better practice because I just could think Fran's a bit more, well, she's played under Hayes for longer. She's got better relationship with the players around her. And I think she's a bit more intelligent in her penalty box movement. Potentially, I guess they just wanted to give it a go. The problem they have though is they gave it a go. It didn't really work. As as you said, Abby, like they, they did get bailed out by the subs, but they now have United visiting the bridge on Sunday in a really big game and you're kind of back at square one again.
0: So could one of those options be the the player we've already mentioned and one that did not make the cut of the big what do we do without Sam Kerr piece? I'm going to suggest Chloe probably gave you too short a a word (laughs) count for Aggie Beaver-Jones to be uh, involved in uh, that one. Has Aggie done enough with with her goal we're calling it her goal with her goal at the weekend and the fact that you know she's actually got more goals than sam kerr does in the wsl anyway could you make a case for her being the number nine
2: the reason i didn't put aggie in the piece is not because i don't think she's fantastic because i do i like it's the her word a lot. count isn't it? Uh, the, it it was the word it was actually stop, chloe stop told stop me selling me down the river she told <laughs> can't aggie from this piece uh, no it's because we've not really seen her be used as a nine at all for Chelsea this season. She's mainly been used at wide. She is someone who can play all across the front three. We've seen her do that um, at England age groups in particular. And then, you know, she has done that at Chelsea youth age groups as well. It just feels like if we're talking about Mia Fischel who spent her whole career as a striker seemingly not being trusted to play as a number nine on her own I think we're a lot further away for doing that for Aggie and I think there's also something to be said to embrace the super sub you know I think it's understandable that sometimes when fancy players doing well they they want them to play and contribute from the start and I think you know they will be that opportunity, you know, Aggie has had that opportunity once already this season. I'm sure it will come again, especially with the injury. But also at the same time, what a confidence booster for for a player to be able to come on in these games and make a real impact rather than potentially toiling away sort of for 60 minutes and not really getting anywhere.
0: Yeah, such a good point. I want to just um, take a slightly off track for a moment because I've been, you know, toying this question up in my mind a little bit. We didn't get to see it play out at the weekend, but I'm going to ask it anyway. This was quite a big game for big fans of of the women's football world because it was Sam Kerr supposedly against her fiancé, Christy Mewis. Alas, neither player made the pitch. I want to ask this question. Chloe, I'm going to put it to you first. You're Sam Kerr. You're in your knee brace. You're on the sideline. Who are you rooting for? Do you root for your team or do you root for your fiancé to win in this game?
1: Chelsea, all day. I mean, her loyalties have got to be there. And also, like, her hero, her boss, her manager, who's leaving at the end of the season. You know, this is one of the most important games in trying to secure, you know, one of what could be four titles or four cups this season. So, you know, regardless of, you know, where your, your love interest lies, and regardless of the fact that, you know, you just got engaged, you know, moments earlier, and regardless of the fact that she's you're- just
0: flown over the pond to come and be with you.
1: Doesn't matter, does it, you know? And even you know, you've gone house hunting, you've secured a nice you know flat or home in in London somewhere, somewhere really posh and fancy, and you can do all your shopping trips at the weekend. But no, you've absolutely got to go with Chelsea. Otherwise, it's a really really interesting dynamic in the uh, in the dressing room if you if you're not. So yeah, to see Sam Kerr on the sidelines cheering for West for a West Ham goal would have been absolutely. I'm not going full full, full cheering evolved. here. Just you know,
2: <laughs> Jesse, Chelsea.
0: Yeah, good. Good. I I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't a psycho, basically, because I agree.
2: (laughs) It's the illness talking. (laughs) It is the
0: illness. (laughs) I'm not ill. What are you talking about? It's fine. (laughs) Of course, one of the sad things in all of this is that this is the last time that we've seen Sam Kerr play for Emma Hayes. And Chloe, at one point, we, we were thinking that this was possibly the last time we'd seen Sam Kerr playing in a Chelsea shirt. Rumors... Flying around this week that Sam is going to sign on for a little longer with Chelsea. Do you have any updates for me, please?
1: only the latest which is that we think that she's probably going to stay at Chelsea it's sort of rumoured or the report's sort of flying around that it's going to be until at least 2025 with potentially an option to extend as well which kind of makes sense considering her fiance has just come over and they have been spotted house hunting so I think you know her roots are with Chelsea I think you know especially with the injury I think it puts her in a very vulnerable position she might have been you know having a scout around talking to her agent about potentially other WSL clubs but you know when you've got that kind of length of rehab ahead of you you know you you want to stay somewhere that you feel safe. That you know you're going to go back into the fold in you know a year's time. Hopefully, we'll see a you know at the back end of, of this year if, if everything goes well. But you know, I'd want to do that at a club where they know me, they know my body, they have my data, they have my stats. You know, good with ACLs. I mean, generally speaking, Chelsea don't really get a lot of ACLs, bar this kind of like little period they've had just now. And also, you know, being in and around uh, Emma Hayes is, is never a bad thing for for the end of her her reign. They've literally only got sort of five six months left with her. So yeah, for Kerr I think it probably makes sense to to stay.
0: Soak up every last moment of it and whilst we are on the subject of emma hayes jesse i'll throw this one your way news coming out this week that chelsea are going to be looking for a female head coach to uh take over from her which basically limits chelsea to two options as far as we can tell laura harvey from uh, seattle rain or casey stoney who is obviously former manchester united and current san diego wave head coach who are you backing jesse who do you want to see come in take over
2: I mean, I think Stoney's always been the standout candidate in terms of the work that she's done both at United and San Diego. I think the advantage of having managed in the WSL is a big plus. The question mark seems to always have been given the effort she just put into moving her whole family out to California, whether she'd be actually interested in coming back to England at all. It does seem from from the reports that Chelsea feel like she is someone that they can shortlist and presumably have spoken to. But ultimately, it's, it's a really tough one, I think because there is a real sense of it's maybe potentially a bit of a poison chalice to be the first person to to take that job you know we've seen in sort of lots of managers who've been at clubs for a long time it's taken a while for those clubs you know thinking about united or arsenal in the men's game to to find someone and united's case they're still looking i think but who can really sort of make things work there and i wonder if that will be the case at chelsea but i think stoney yeah definitely the standout candidate for me
0: In Mikel, we trust. Uh, I just wonder, do you trust Jesse Chelsea's new owners to make the right choice, given how well they seem to spend money in the men's side of things? Anyway, do you have that trust?
2: Yeah, it's a really fascinating time for the club in that sense. I do think it's often over-egged how much of Chelsea's women's front office, let's say, is just Emma Hayes. That's not really the case. There are a lot of people who've worked behind the scenes for a very, very long period of time, Paul Green obviously being the most notable of them, and who are expected to continue. I think to that extent, I would expect, but with the ownership, you do have to sort of caveat all of this stuff that Boley and Ekbali will keep rather hands off of the women's game. I also think there's an element of the fact that still within women's football, what you have to do to stay at the top is a lot less complicated than what you have to do in men's football. And I think that's, again, something that's maybe not always appreciated when we're talking about the ownership as a whole.
0: Well, there's a load of huge decisions to be made at Chelsea Football Club over the remaining six months of this season. So we'll wait and see. Now, as you know, Full Time Europe is sponsored by Google Pixel and it's time once again to go beyond the frame. You've been hearing from Jesse throughout the show and here's something they picked out from being at the Chelsea game that you might have missed. Beyond the Frame with Google Pixel. Everything you're about to hear has been recorded using Google Pixel's Audio
1: Magic Eraser tool. That means that instead of our journalist's audio being drowned out by the crowd, the audio sounds just the way the
0: journalist you're about to hear wants you to. You'll hear them loud and clear thanks to Audio Magic Eraser removing distracting sounds in Beyond the Frame. Requires Google Photos app may not work on all images or all audio elements.
2: Something that really stood out in Chelsea's 3-1 win over West Ham was the support from the stands. The support from the stands coming from one particular person, Neve Charles, Chelsea's left back, has been one of their outstanding players this season, but she was suspended for this match. She picked up a red card against Bristol City in their last WSL game before the Christmas break, so she was sat there with some of the injured players as well, but uh, it was very noticeable that Charles was really all in on this match. The longer the game went on, obviously, the match going to X time in the end. The louder Neve Charles got, absolutely yelling out for all of her teammates, encouraging them to press, encouraging them to track back, cheering them when they got their tackles in and of course celebrating when they finally got the goals that to get Chelsea the win really fascinating insight into sort of the competitive mindset of a, a player who is unable to play and she was much missed uh, by Chelsea today to be honest uh, who, who didn't really look up to their their normal standard but they'll be pleased that Neve Charles can uh, get her vocal support out of the stands uh, and onto the pitch for their next game against Manchester United.
0: Beyond the Frame with Google Pixel. Okay, we're going to leave Chelsea there for now because it is January, which means we must talk transfers, and we'll do that next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences
1: like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com you can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply? See terms at discover.com/slash credit card. You're listening to Full Time Europe.
0: Abby Patterson, Jesse Parker-Humphreys and Chloe Morgan here with you on Full Time Europe. And just before we talk transfers, I have to ask, because Kerr's injury, it feels to me like it blows open the whole title race in the WSL. Chloe, do you agree with that emotive reaction I've had?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say it blows it open. I'd say that it opens the door a foot or a little bit more than it was before. I'm being quite cautious about it. I think you know Sam Kerr isn't the be all and end all of Chelsea, and I think everyone knows that you know Emma Hayes, the Chelsea squad are mentality monsters. They do come back from adversity. You know they've they've had injuries this year. They've they've had bad periods. They've you know not too long ago they got absolutely destroyed at the Emirates, and then they bounce back. You know they do have that thing about them, and I think because they still have that additional mentality that is Emma Hayes leaving, they want to. Do really well for her they want to maybe end with a quadruple this year which would be absolutely unbelievable but obviously I mean Man City are hot on their heels they seem to have really found their stride this year as well so I think that is definitely sort of a factor in you know how close the, the the sort of WSL title race is becoming Manchester United seem to have dropped off but again Arsenal seem to be sort of finding form as well so I think it will obviously be the the competitiveness of the other teams this year and yeah Sam Kerr out is is not great but it's not the nail in the coffin for for their title hopes.
2: Yeah, I think if you're Arsenal and City, regardless, you should always have felt like you had the edge over Chelsea just by not having Champions League football. I Obviously, the Kerr injury, I think, exacerbates that further as well. But actually, the, the player who I still worry about potentially more is Millie Bright and her sort of unclear return day. I still think Chelsea in attack have plenty of different options, as we've spoken about. I think in defence, that's not quite so clear cut. And I think that's where I would pinpoint my concerns about them as a side. Well, they have brought in Natalie Bjorn
0: coming in from Everton, which leads us nicely onto transfers. And we're going to spitball through these because there's a few to go through. And Chloe, uh, the chases, Mary Ups, has been constantly on the rumour mill. What do we know? What do we think will happen? Are Manchester United about to make the same mistakes that they did with Alessio Russo and let the best goalkeeper in the world, TBC, go away on a, a transfer? Free this summer?
1: The answer is I really hope not. I really hope they have learned from the lessons of last summer. I think, you know, the club, or the fans especially, I think the players were annoyed at how those negotiations took place. The commercial department, not too sure what was going on with there. But yeah, Mary Epps obviously rumoured to be going to, to PSG, but nothing really confirmed at the moment. Obviously, she played the game yesterday. So, you know, there's nothing to sort of, sort of suggest that anything's that she's definitely, definitely going there. But at the same time, I mean, she is going to be out on, on a free if they do leave it till the end of this year you know, we know that she's not been happy at Man United for, for quite some time. Uh, obviously the rumours last year that she was going to be going to Arsenal and that's kind of fallen through and, and they seem to have dropped out of the negotiations for, you know, this transfer window. But, you know, I think everyone keeps trying to find and get information from herbs, but, you know, she got quite frustrated in an interview recently saying that people keep asking her what's happening and there's loads of misinformation being out there, but, you know, it's fine that she obviously wants to focus on football, but I think, you know, when you are quite an outspoken activist, you know, you are a big campaign and naturally you attract quite a lot of interest about, you know, Know where you're going to be going? Speculation, uh, especially if it's outside the WSL. So, I'd hate to see her leave the WSL, but it does feel like a, a good move for her. Yeah, she'll obviously be sort of competing with the goalkeepers there, but we'll wait and see. Really, there's still what 15, 16 days left of the transfer window. So, um, yeah, with a new agent as well on her side, um, we'll see. We'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, and if you don't quite know what I mean by saying the chases Mary Ups, she displayed her lack of North Korean dictator knowledge over the weekend on uh, British tv
1: mary which north korean leader is known as the great successor
0: so young kim jong-un jesse frank kirby said in the week that she has had no
2: talks with chelsea about a new contract what do you reckon is going to happen there yeah this is something that's obviously upset a lot of fans who i think rightfully would happily give fran a lifetime contract but i'm a bit more on the potentially sometimes you need to kill your darling stage and i think unfortunately Well, I'm not going to say unfortunately because I could see it going either way. I think it's understandable that Chelsea might want to wait and see what their new manager thinks about Fran Kirby's fitness and injury availability before they offer her a new deal. That
0: would be a wise choice. Chloe, I've got another goalkeeper for you with the great mystery of Ellie Roebuck, one of the stories of the season. I'd love to delve into it at some stage. Uh, Rumours that uh, she might be
1: moving abroad as well. Yeah, so I think the reports again, uh, her going to, to Barcelona and we're sort of hearing that she's in the advanced stages of those talks. I mean, she'd be joining sort of, you know, people, that she's very familiar with, Kira Walsh, Lucy Bronze, the ex-Man City players. But yeah, I mean, it's not really surprising that she's in talks for other clubs. I mean, she's not started a single game this season for Man City, which is the most bizarre thing. We can't quite work out or get to the bottom of, you know, a, a goalkeeper who was, you know, at the World Cup this summer who played 17 out of 22 games for Man City last year, now sort of going into this season, completely usurped by uh, Kiara Keating, who's done an amazing job in her own right and really has kind of made that number one spot hers. But yeah, I mean, she's not even getting FA Cup time. She's not getting Conti cup time and those are where you you know imagine that your sort of second or third choice keepers if she's been demoted to those kind of spots would would get those minutes but she's not getting those so I think if she's got any real chance of getting back into the England squad again and I think it's probably a blessing in disguise that you know Team GB are out of the Olympics so at least she doesn't feel like she's going to get massive FOMO this summer so she's got what just over two years almost to get herself back or a year and a half to get herself back into the uh, the England squad before the Euros in in twenty twenty five so she'll want to be picking up game time. Is she going to get game time at Barcelona when you've got two incredible goalkeepers, one of whom has just sort of won a World Cup with the Spanish squad, you know, six months ago? I'm not too sure. I mean, it's a a risk again. But yeah, I kind of thought that the maybe more sensible route would be to go just across the pond to Manchester United if, if Erps does make a departure, uh, which seems pretty imminent. So, yeah, no no kind of removal fees, no kind of like massive, you know, international transfers, but just, um, yeah, just hop across the street and, and go to the, the neighbouring club.
0: Yeah, I don't think there is a big, big pond in Manchester between City and United. But well, you know, we'll, we'll,
1: we'll not put you on the chase. <laughs> Geography's never been my strong point.
0: <laughs> Let's widen out on that a little bit to put Europe into full time. Europe. Uh, finalmente, Lena McGill, German stalwart in the national team for the last few years, has joined
2: Inter Milan from Bayern. Jesse, that. Really surprised to be here. Yeah, I think it might have shopped into Milan, to be honest. <laughs> obviously, Lena McGall's gone through a bit of a strange time, clearly at Bayern. She's sort of gone from being their captain. She'd obviously been there for, for a number a number of years. That changed at the start of the season. She wasn't part of the leadership group anymore. She's got less and less game time. And so she's made a move. That maybe makes sense. But Inter, I think, are a team who would have taken a lot of people by surprise. They're not one of the best teams in Italy. They've got quite a strange mix of players, I've I've got to say there. But I don't know whether sort of the geographical proximity to Munich is something that appealed to her. It certainly seems like she felt she sort of needed a a change of space, potentially, um, you know, as much for her mental health as for her football career. But I guess it's, you know, it's it's a great move for Inter. It's a great name to pick up. It feels like, you know, only yesterday she was sort of one of the best players at, at the Euros in England.
0: Yeah, Maybe she just wanted to hop across the pond to um Turin, to Milan.
2: <laughs> Sorry. Well, we're going to wrap it up there
0: on the transfer front and we will keep you updated here on Full Time Europe and on The Athletic for any further transfer done deals and indeed the rumour mill, of course. Head to theathletic.com forward slash WSL pod if you're not already a subscriber. And how dare you, by the way, you can find our latest Offer and you can always send us an email over at fte at the with your thoughts and questions for our team. Fte at the Thank you so much to Chloe and Jesse for their company this week. I'll be back with you again next week. Until then, be safe and look after your knees. You've been listening to Full Time Europe, part of the Athletic Football Podcast Network. The producer was Abby Patterson. To discover and listen to other great Athletic podcasts just like this one, including our brand new daily football briefing, search for The Athletic on Apple, Spotify and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. The Athletic.